When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Andy Staples on three. And boy, do we have a matchup for you in one corner, the NCAA. In the other corner, the University of Tennessee. This one is scheduled for 10 rounds. I'm doing it like a boxing match. I should be doing it more like a wrestling match. This bout is scheduled for one fall. Entering the ring to my right. Tennessee Chancellor Donde Plowman entering the ring to my left, NCAA President Charlie Baker. Wow. Who'd have thunk that the NCAA's decision to enforce NIL rules that don't really square with reality would cause so many problems? But yes, here they are right now. So let's let's start on Tuesday afternoon. All the wheels were in motion for this and have been for a while. Keep that in mind. Keep in mind that the NCAA has been looking into Tennessee for a while. Tennessee has obviously known this for a while. So all of this stuff is not as off the cuff as it might seem all coming out at once on Tuesday. But this has been a collision that has been set up for a while. And it could be a very very impactful collision because I don't know that it's just going to be Tennessee when the dust settles. This is the NCAA potentially versus a lot of its schools. And now we see what happens next. So let's back up and tell the story a little bit. So on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, Pat 40 Sports Illustrated reports that the NCAA is investigating the University of Tennessee. Shortly after that, Dondi Plowman, the chancellor of the University of Tennessee, releases a letter that she sent to NCAA President Charlie Baker on Monday. So when that came out, I did a whole video explaining what that all meant and explaining the key points in Dondi Plowman's letter. So let's watch that. And then there's more to the story after that. It's Tennessee versus the NCAA. That's right. The NCAA investigating Tennessee over. We're not entirely sure what. Perhaps it has to do with NIL. Perhaps it has to do with football. But right now, we don't have the specific details. What we do know is that Tennessee is proactively fighting back and that Tennessee Chancellor Dondi Plowman basically went scorched earth on the NCAA this week with a letter to Charlie Baker, the NCAA president. And in this letter, Plowman essentially says, look, we're going to fight you on whatever you try to accuse us of. And this is very interesting because the NCAA just got through with a case with Tennessee where Tennessee was praised for its exemplary cooperation. Now, cooperating on the NCAA with the NCAA in that particular case allowed Tennessee to fire Jeremy Pruitt for free. So there was an incentive, but in this case, it's a little bit different. But this seems to be part of a wave of NCAA investigations related to NIL that you're seeing across the country. You just saw the resolution of one at Florida State where offense coordinator Alex Atkins got suspended for three games. They're investigating Florida right now about the, the contract that was signed with Jaden Rashada, the quarterback who signed with Florida but never wound up at Florida. But it was a $13.8 million contract that had no real money behind it but taken by the terms of the contract would constitute a violation of NCAA rules if that's what they determine. What happened at Tennessee? We don't exactly know yet, but we know that Dondi Plowman is mad. From her letter, earlier today, this is on January 29th, a team from the University of Tennessee met with members of your enforcement staff to discuss allegations the NCAA intends to bring against Tennessee related to NIL. We appreciate your staff listening to our arguments and agreeing to evaluate them. The NCAA's allegations are factually untrue and procedurally flawed. 
Moreover, it is intellectually dishonest of the NCAA enforcement staff to pursue infraction cases as if student-athletes have no NIL rights and as if institutions have all been functioning post-Alston, which is the Supreme Court case the NCAA lost, with a clear and unchanging set of rules and willfully violating them. It would have been my preference to discuss my concerns with you in person. Your recent testimony before Congress indicated you wanted to meet with as many member institutions and student-athletes as possible to discuss issues associated with college sports. I am sharing my perspective in writing since my December request for you to meet with me and our athletics director, Danny White, was denied. That is Donnie Plowman saying, hey, we were going to talk to you about this stuff. You didn't want to talk to us about it. And this is this is the biggest problem for the NCAA right now as it goes after these NIL cases. The schools do not feel like they were given a real opportunity to shape the rules here. This has all happened kind of influx since NIL was allowed basically because state legislatures legislated it into existence. And so the NCAA has been trying to play catch up ever since. And it really has become a big problem when they try to enforce these cases. We haven't seen much enforcement. We saw the Florida State one with Alex Atkins. We saw a women's basketball one at the University of Miami last year. That's pretty much it. But they seem to be going after quite a few schools. And I don't know that those schools are going to take it. I think we've seen a big shift in the way schools deal with the NCAA in the last few years. It started with North Carolina. You had those paper classes. And that one was a little bit different because North Carolina wanted to make sure they didn't get in big trouble. They had, you know, these classes covered multiple sports, athletes from multiple sports took them, but where the NCAA enforcement staff screwed up is they said they were extra benefits when in fact they were available to everyone on campus. So North Carolina's lawyers outmaneuvered the NCAA enforcement staff on that one. That was not necessarily them just thumbing their nose at the NCAA. That was fighting back with a legitimate legal challenge. Michigan fought back a little bit harder and a little bit differently with the NCAA and with the Big Ten in the Burgergate situation and in the Connor Stallion science stealing situation. And remember, Michigan was always one of those places that you just assumed, well, they're going to do what the NCAA says. They don't want to be viewed as a renegade program. That's all out the window now. None of that stuff matters anymore because the schools feel like they've been pushed into this corner. And Plowman put it really well. Basically, the NCAA is trying to enforce rules that cannot coexist with the NIL laws that exist in the states. Here's another piece of what Donnie Plowman said. No one wants the chaos that currently exists, but here's where we find ourselves. The NCAA and its members need to redefine their relationship and create creative partnership, proactive partnerships that actually help solve the problems facing intercollegiate athletics. Rather than partnering with institutions, including institutions like ours that the NCAA has, has cited for exemplary leadership, the NCAA enforcement staff appears to be trying to bully institutions back to a time before the Alston decision, which will inevitably lead to more lawsuits. So what she's saying is they're trying to turn back the clock to when schools could just unilaterally impose these rules on the athletes and they weren't going to get kicked back in court. What the Alston decision did it wasn't about what they were arguing about necessarily before the court. That was money related to educational expenses. What that nine nothing loss for the NCAA did in the Supreme Court was basically said, all of your rules are probably going to be construed as collusion if they get brought before us. So you need to figure out how to make them conform to the Sherman Antitrust Act. And that's the problem is the rules that the NCAA is trying to enforce probably don't conform to the Sherman Act. They, they don't conform to a lot of the state NIL laws. And that's why the next step, probably, whether Tennessee does this or it's some other school that gets accused by the NCAA that does this, the next step is the state attorneys general getting involved, the, the state attorney general or multiple state attorneys general getting involved. We saw that with the transfer case where there were multiple attorneys general from different states suing the NCAA. So this is... This is bad for the NCAA, and I, I get it. I understand why the enforcement staff is trying to do this. They have to justify their existence and their paycheck somehow. Because if you follow the letter of a lot of the state NIL laws, there's no reason for them to exist. So their paychecks go poof. So they got to try something. But this isn't going to work. Because what you're going to have is some of the more powerful schools fighting back. And if enough schools fight back, and if enough schools feel like they're being targeted, 
they're going to just go in and say, we're the members here. We're going to change the rules and we might change the rules to make you go away. So they've got to be pretty careful here. One more thing from Dondi Plowman. It is intellectually dishonest for the NCAA staff to issue guidelines that say a third party collective or business may meet with prospective student athletes, discuss NIL, even enter into a contract with prospective student athletes, but at the same time, say that the collective may not engage in conversations that would be of a recruiting nature. Any discussion about NIL might factor into a prospective student athlete's decision to attend an institution. This creates an inherently unworkable situation and everyone knows it. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what I said, where these rules can't actually exist with the current state laws and the current environment. They cannot exist because you can't say that you can't use NIL to attract a, a, an athlete to pick a particular school because how else are you going to use it? How else is it going to work? These guys have value. We, we at on three, we have a whole ranking that determines how valuable they are to schools, not just our NIL value, but our recruiting rankings. There's clearly a market for it, and there's nothing the NCAA can do about that. They can wish it was five years ago again, but it's not going to happen. That's never coming back. And so what you saw from Tennessee, I think, is an opening salvo. If the NCAA is going to keep going after schools for NIL violations, it's just going to get attacked by the schools themselves. And by the way, the schools are their members. So this is where if you piss off enough of them, again, they can turn around and legislate you out of existence. So you got to be pretty careful here if you're the NCAA. I think this Tennessee thing might just be the tip of the iceberg. And that's the deal with Tennessee because it's not just Tennessee. There are other cases in the pipeline right now. And I think that's where the NCAA has got to be careful here. One, it can't look like it's singling out because everybody it chooses is going to say, why would you choose us? Because everybody does this now. This is, this is how everything works. And so let's, let's get into a little bit more of the specifics of this case. We talked to Brent Hubs from VolQuest about the Tennessee case specifically. And that was on the Roundtable channel at On3 Sports. If you uh, are not subscribing to the Roundtable channel as well as the On3 Sports YouTube channel, well, smash that subscribe button next time. That's where we hit up all the big breaking news. And this was pretty big breaking news. So here is a little snippet of that conversation with Brent Hubs from VolQuest. I do wonder if the response is going to be similar at some of these other schools as it is the response at Tennessee. Yeah, I think that is going to be fascinating. Is, is Dondi Plowman on an island by herself in the NIL world, or do people jump on the island with her and, and kind of follow that lead point? I've had someone tell me today that there's somewhere between 12 and 20 schools or 12 and 20 collectives, I should say, that the NCAA has been looking hard at over the course of the last year or so because of, um, you know, th th they have concerns about how things are done. They wonder how some of these things are done. Uh, some of those collectives are pretty loud, pretty vocal, and, and they've been looking into those, you know, into those situations. And, and we'll see if anything else comes of it at other schools. Um, and we'll obviously see what the NCAA's next move is. I think from a news standpoint, from a hard concrete news point, you know where Tennessee stands as of this evening. It's very clear. So the question now becomes, where does the NCAA go next with a continuing on investigation? Do they have enough that they're ready for a letter of allegations? Does that come next? I think the NCAA's response is the next news cycle. I think there'll be some talk, some rhetoric, some posturing, but I think the next hard news thing in this case or in this story is when does the letter of allegations come from the NCAA back to the University of Tennessee? And it sounds like that this process has been going on for a while because in her letter, Donnie Plowman references meeting with NCAA officials and basically refers to allegations. She refers to them as, as false. But if they have allegations to talk about in a meeting, then potentially there's a notice of allegations forthcoming. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. I mean, you know, and I think that I don't think the story gets out at Sports Illustrated without that being the next step, because we all know the NCAA goes and talks to a lot of people and nothing comes of it. Right. They go and inquire right. about something and, uh, you know, all the 
all the T's are, are crossed and the I's are dotted and everything's and it, it's not a story. It never even comes out that they were around talking to anybody. Um, then there are other cases where it evolves into that. And it certainly feels like that that's the next step for the NCAA here. And the NCAA has been on, uh, on Tennessee's campus, been talking um, to student athletes. And, and that's been ongoing for, I would say, a year or so. I mean, I, I think that they have looked hard into things, particularly in, in the Nico recruitment, because, again, that one was different. That was the first right. one. And that was the eye opener attention. Now, there's been a lot. There's been deals done since then, right? That are that are very much in the same platform and the same stance, done very similarly with with big money dollar figures and all those types of things. So he's not the outlier as the only one. It's just he was the first one, and the first one drew a lot of scrutiny, I think, from a lot of people, starting with the NCAA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So this is centered on Nico Yamalaba. Tennessee's current starting quarterback. So what makes this so interesting is the Nico contract, which we were writing about when I was at the athletic, lots of people have, have delved into this thing. It was kind of the first of what became standard procedure for everybody. Instead of you saying, this Chevy dealership is going to hire you for an ad. And this, this ice cream shop is going to hire you for an appearance. Collective started buying athletes' rights, lock, stock, and barrel. We, we will buy your NIL rights for a fee. We will then farm you out to all this stuff, and we'll keep the money. You get the money that we agreed upon. And that was one of the first deals like that, the, the one with Nico and Spire Sports. So on Tuesday night, Tom Mars, who is an attorney who has built himself a nice practice in the last few years, representing schools, players, entities against the NCAA, he put out a statement and basically explains the relationship between Spire Sports, this is the collective, and Nico, and how the contract works. And basically, it's a representation agreement, which is, is what has become the industry standard. And the parties agree their contractual rights and obligations were governed by California law. That's important, too, because Nico as a high school athlete in California, was allowed to receive NIL money while in high school. And that's where things get a little tricky in some other states because they don't all allow it, but it was allowed in California. And so if you're going to say it was an inducement, well, Mars has a response to that too. Basically, it just says that he's got to be enrolled somewhere as a student athlete, but it doesn't tie it to the University of Tennessee. So that's where they're going to fight this. That's how they're going to fight this. And this is unusual because we're used to no information leaking out in NCAA cases because the NCAA puts a gag order on you and says you'll get bigger trouble if you talk. I don't think Tennessee cares. Remember, Tennessee is also in line for repeat violator status because all of the stuff that was used to fire Jeremy Pruitt for free still counts as NCAA violations committed by Tennessee. So that's where they're probably a little more concerned than other schools might be with this situation. But I would think any school in the crosshairs is concerned. I would imagine Florida is concerned. We know they're getting investigated over the Jaden Rashada contract. Like all of these schools are concerned when NCAA investigators show up on their campus. The question is, are enough schools concerned that they say, you know what, we're the membership. You're going to stop this right now. Or are they concerned enough that they maybe take it to court? Here's what we do know. Brandon, uh, since this citizen in the chat, uh, Plowman is a rock star here. Now they introduced her tonight before the basketball game and the crowd gave her a great ovation. In fact, Austin price of ball quest shot some video of that. So here is the crowd 
greeting Donde Plowman at the Cincy basketball game tonight. Donde Plowman, Now, the chancellor doesn't usually get that big of a pop at the basketball game, but my guess is it'll probably keep going and getting louder as this goes forward because I, I do think the Tennessee fans are probably going to be very much behind Donnie Plowman. Now, we'll see what the NCAA has because they eventually would have to produce a notice of allegations. Tennessee would probably have to release that as part of an open records request. So I think we'll, we'll see what, what is at issue here more? Tennessee has done a really good job framing this to make themselves look as good as possible in this situation, which is how you probably should handle it. But the NCAA, because of its own rules, is going to have a little hard time framing it. The, the way they work is typically they've got to leak stuff or they, they have rules that say they can't just give it out. And so I don't know that you're going to see much from them in the way of hard, tangible stuff other than an NOA that we would actually probably get through Tennessee. But this is this one's interesting because, again, if a school the size of Tennessee takes the NCAA to court, the, the relationship between the schools and the NCAA is going to change fundamentally. That is going to happen, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's another school in another case like this. You know, Michigan was going to take the Big Ten to court. It didn't quite get there. But the fact that Michigan was sitting there ready to take its own conference to court tells you we're in a very different time than we used to be. Because Michigan's not the type of school that ever wants to be viewed as a boat rocker or a renegade. Tennessee, we saw what they did. The, the, the way they used the violations to fire Jeremy Pruitt put them in a different basket. But if enough schools find themselves similarly aggrieved, then there will be action. We saw it with the transfer rules. Seven different state attorneys general sued the NCAA in federal court. The transfer rules didn't last a day, essentially, after that happened. So what if they go after the NIL rules? Because if you're under attack and the only way to fight back is attack the NIL rules, it is going to be a big problem for the NCAA if it wants to enforce those rules. Now, I'm not sure the schools actually want the NCAA to enforce those rules. The schools have figured out a system that works for them right now. Any new system is going to require more stuff to happen. And remember, there's a case before the National Labor Relations Board in California. There is a case in federal court called House versus the NCAA that's about athletes former athletes suing for money they would have made had NIL been available to them. And the NCAA is probably going to have to settle that one. So all of these things are happening. They're trying to get a Hail Mary from the U.S. Congress. They're not going to get that. They're going to have to figure out a way to have some rules that they can actually enforce. But the only way to do that might be collective bargaining. And again, the schools don't want to go there. They, they do not want to be collectively bargaining with athletes. They don't want to be calling athletes employees. Now, they may not get a choice. They may get forced into that by the courts. But they have got to figure out what to do. And that can be under the umbrella of the NCAA. Everybody thinks they have to break away. They got to do something completely different. It can be done under the umbrella of the NCAA. The schools just have to make rules within the NCAA that say, this stuff's okay. We're going to collectively bargain with the athletes. That's the only way, because otherwise you are going to get sued. Plowman made that very clear in that letter, that in a post-Austin world, any NCAA rule is a potential lawsuit threat and one that they could potentially lose. So we'll see what happens. But this is going to be an absolutely crazy case because I can't remember a time when you got an inkling of an NCAA investigation and all of a sudden the school's chancellor or president just came out swinging. This one could get wild. All right, we knew, we now move on to something else to get wild. We've got a 
We've got a semantics debate in college football. We were going to lead with this, but obviously Tennessee versus the NCAA was a little sexier. So we've got to figure this out. I got a tweet sent to me and to a lot more important people than me this morning from Odin Horns. Can anyone, can everyone please stop using P5 or Power 5? It is now P2 or Power 2, G2 or Group of 2, ACC and Big 12, and R6 or Remaining 6. Remaining 6, did we add the whack back in? I don't think the math adds up there. I guess we're counting, I guess they're counting the, the pack two, the two pack as one of the remaining six. I don't know if we can count that. I, I, I guess they are officially recognized by the NCAA right now, I believe for a, a trial period. So they, I think they have a couple of years where they are one. So, all right, we'll, we'll count the two pack as one of the, the remaining six, but we've got to figure out what to say because I have caught myself using the term power five more than I'd like to admit over the last few weeks. And the fact of the matter is, as soon as the national title game ended in the sport of football, there is no more Power 5 because there is no more Pac-12. So what do we do about this? How do we figure out what to call this thing? So I've sought advice of people much smarter than me. I've come up with a couple terms myself. The Fantastic Four, but I think that's taken by Marvel. It's probably copyrighted. And I also think, because the easy thing to do is just go Power Four. My friend Christopher Nini from The Athletic, he said, that's, that's what you do. You just go Power Four. But it's not, because that implies that the Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, and ACC are the same, and they're not. The Big Ten and the SEC are very similar. The Big 12 and the ACC are very similar. But they are no longer similar. Those groups are no longer similar to the other group. So how do we handle this? Because while they are not completely similar, they are separate from others. They are different from the group of five or the, the R6, the remaining six, or whatever we're calling that group. So how do we how do we term this? Because We've got to figure this out. And, and I will I will throw this out there. So my producer, River, I'm going to ask you to do this going forward. Not tonight. We can't logistically, technologically, probably can't make it happen tonight. But I want you to get the Family Feud X sound. So when someone gives a wrong answer on Family Feud, they get the most humiliating sound. Like it is a violent it is i want to be hit with that every time i accidentally use the word power five so that i or the phrase power you power five see you're slow on the trigger well now okay power five power five power five thank you better all right so now we've got that that's impressive i'm amazed that river did this that fast we need to give him a raise but this is this is the problem because like, it, it drives me nuts when I hear somebody say it because I'm like, it's not a power five anymore, but then I do it too. So we have to agree on a new new phrasing. And I think about this because I, I know that you guys out there in viewer land and listener land think that we have these meetings where we get together and set the agenda and decide we're going to do promote this and we're going to be negative about this. We don't actually do that. We've never done that. But I think we should beat about this because like when Power 5 came into existence, it was as the, the BCS was crumbling and the 14 playoff was being created. And we had a term before that, and it was BCS conferences. The longer version of that was BCS automatic qualifying conferences. But we just shortened it to BCS conferences. So you had the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac. 10 at the time, the Big East and the SEC. The Big East obviously fell out of that. That left five, power five. Worked worked nicely. The only person who hated it was Mike Oresco, the, the, the commissioner of the, the American Athletic Conference, and he tried to make it uh, power six a thing. Yeah, he couldn't make fetch happen, and he couldn't make power six happen. So we've got to figure out what to call this thing. Uh, 
Ratchet in the chat. The four front conferences. I like that. Number four hyphen front. Dual meaning. They're at the forefront. There are four of them. That's really good. I uh, I sought out some some help from some from friends in the industry. Uh, I'm at the Senior Bowl this week, and my friends T. Bob A. Bear and Jacob Hester, former LSU players, they do a show together for ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge. And so I caught them during a break in their show, and I said, "All right, guys, what do you have?" So T. Bob, you say P four. Um, I guess I've never thought about it, but yeah, it seems lazy, but yeah, power, P, P, power four, it sounds better as P4. I don't know. I don't know. P4? Yeah. Big quad? Here's the question. Is it even four or is it like elite two? And then we got to come up with another name for the rest of the group. It seems a little SEC wordy, but and Big accurate. Ten. I mean, yeah. so I think elite two and then we'll workshop the rest of it in the middle. Is the Uba conference? That, that might be a little aggressive. Um... There's something with quad there, certainly. He's on quad. I'm on two. Never quad, skip leg day. Quadrangle, <laughs> quad, quad conference, com, comps, quad. I'm really failing to come up with anything funny. <laughs> the, 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 there is something to be done with quads, I think. That is true. But my friend Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, he's got one that I think we should seriously consider. I mean, if we're being honest, it's the power two now, not the power four or the power five. But how about this? You know, hockey has the frozen four. The ACC, Big 12, Big 10, SEC could be the chosen four. I like that. Stuart Stuart asked me if he needs to copyright that. I said, yes, do it immediately. Start printing T-shirts. I like that one. Here's why I like that one. Because, again, The ACC and Big 12 are different than the Big 10 and SEC. That's why Florida State's suing the ACC right now. But they are also all different from the other leagues in that we are pretty sure in every year that there's a 12-team playoff that the champions of the ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and SEC will automatically be in the playoff and, in fact, will get a bye in the playoff. Now, there's a chance that the champion of some other league will be ranked higher than the champ of one of those leagues and will then get the bye. But in most years, those will be the ones who get the buys and get in automatically. So, I like that. I like that. Because that's where it's different. And and it's not... Like power conferences is different in football than it is in, in, in basketball. Because in basketball, you've got other conferences that you can definitely consider power conferences. Football, it's only got it's only got these ones. And so, but again, two of them are considerably more powerful than the others. And the reason why is the Big Ten and the SEC are going to get more teams into the playoff most years than the ACC or the Big 12. Now, there are going to be years when the ACC or the Big 12 gets probably three in, I would think. But I think almost every year, the Big 10 or the SEC will get at least three in. And I think that's that's where the difference lies. So how do we handle that? How do we find the, the differences in the words? Elias in the chat. Let's go full confusing and call it the Big Four. The Big Four would be all right. But again, it feels like the SEC and the Big Ten are bigger. So I don't know if we can do that. I like the one that our guy Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South suggested on Tuesday morning. The core four. The core four works because it rhymes. They are at the core of the new college football playoff because they're all getting in every year. And there's no guarantee that that one of the other leagues is going to get in every single year because it can go to, to any of those. Now, again, I... It could conceivably go to any conference at all because it says the four highest-ranked conference champs. It doesn't specify. But I think we know that the the champions of the ACC, of the Big 12, of the Big 10, and the SEC probably going to be the four highest-ranked every year. So the core four sounds really good. It rhymes. The chosen four, the core four. A core four rolls off the tongue a little better. I think it I think it might work a little 
bit better. But that is, uh, we got to figure it out. So I'll put up a poll with some of your suggestions, some of my friends' suggestions, and we'll see what we can what we can get because we definitely need to have a consensus on this. We got to agree to it because I'm hearing too many people say Power Five these days, and it. I said that on purpose, River. Do it when I don't mean it. But I'm hearing too many people use the old word because. We can't stop ourselves. We've been using it since 2012, and we just, it's become part of the furniture. But it is time to change that. It is time to do something different. So, whether it's core four, chosen four, big four, power four, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to go with what you choose in the in the in the poll i'm gonna keep some artistic license there uh, elias in the chat premier leagues that would be good i think uh, although you you spelled premiere like a movie premiere i think we we dropped that last e if we were going to do it like that although i imagine a certain soccer league in england might get a little upset about that but we definitely need to figure out what to say here how to do it and again it'll be part of our ongoing re-education <laughs> during this offseason where we figure out how we deal with the new version of college football. I had a really good conversation with my friend Chris Doring about the new version of the SEC. Chris works for the SEC Network, obviously great former Florida walk-on. But first, I got to tell you about Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app. It is the most fun daily fantasy game in America. You're picking players, you're picking squares, you're deciding more or less points, rebounds, wickets, you name it. Use their referral code Andy. They will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So right now, if you if you go on prize picks, you're looking at college basketball second half stats. You're looking at NBA second half stats, NHL games that are starting late tonight, NBA first half, got some League of Legends, esports, you name it. How many, how many kills on the first screen are these guys going to get? So many ways to play. Download Prize Picks today. Use the referral code Andy, and they will match your first deposit up to a hundred bucks. Now it's time to talk a little new SEC with one of the great walk-ons in SEC history, Chris Dorn. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You know about the greatest walk-on in college football history. I don't know about that. I, you're one of them. Uh, Top five? I mean, we just watched Cody Schrader this year rip up That's the FCC. true. Chris I mean, Doring, one of the greats. Thank you, man. Florida, Florida, Florida receiver. Forgive me, by the way, too. I went to uh, shave this morning, and yeah. I didn't have my razor and in my – Listen, in my, we know it's a look. I, it's not a look. It's too old and gray. I would it never – It is definitely like a look. I swore I wasn't going to do any interviews on camera today, but because yeah. you asked me – And we never see each other. Well, we live in Gainesville together, but right. I never see you except on events. Well, this is a guy who is – you know, he's 27 years old. In so my, in it, my mind. Like, like yeah. it's, no, still still 27 <laughs> years old. So that's all right. So Cody, Cody Schrader is an interesting one, though, Chris, because it – no, he was a scholarship guy in D2 mm-hmm. and then a walk-on. So, so we don't, don't count him with that? We, those scholarship guys. I can say know. at Florida alone, I mean, Lewis Oliver was a walk-on. He was pretty Kerwin good. Bell was a yep. walk-on. So, That's right. I mean, some pretty good players there. That's right. No, it's it's amazing the path, but you kind of, you know, it, for, for those who don't know, you held the SEC touchdowns record for 25 years. Devontae who yeah, broke Devante it? Devontae broke yeah. it and broke it badly. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna I was gonna give you something about you playing fewer games back then, but no, yeah, he, he did it pretty quick. Yeah, so. He did and, and it, you know, if there was anybody that I had to watch break it, you know, you always want to say the right things about how excited you are, yeah. but literally watching Devontae do it with the 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 type of, of uh tactician he was at running routes, the way that he was so competitive, it was fun watching that run. So 
we're out here at the senior bowl and, and you're seeing these guys as they they go to the next level you've been through this yeah. process what what is that like it takes me back to my days of coming here you know um after we played the national championship game against nebraska lost that game and then kind of immediately went out to uh the east west shrine game in palo alto and then flew directly here so it was kind of a whirlwind experience and i had no idea back then of what you know to expect now these guys they go through all the training and preparation yeah. for this and the combine but like it's showing up and being on your own and not necessarily knowing the offense and the schemes and the coaches it was really a kind of an anxiety producing uh experience really what what are those questions like that you get has that changed i know i'm sure you ask these guys now what, again we had no yeah. idea what what any of it was like but the, the giants were all uh, they were quick to grab you and you take you in there and it was like a 500 question like bubble fill in scantron oh, test that you had to take personality wise You're like, like i thought i got out of this oh, man, it, yeah it was it was terrible but and they gave you a nice jacket a uh, little pullover giants pullover but for your time but it, it you know i remember uh coach gruden was at the eagles at the time he's the offensive coordinator there yeah. and he hit me with this long verbiage he goes you're gonna be all, able to remember this and you know just ripped off one of the long west coast offense uh and you're like plays. i'm not the quarterback yeah yeah just uh, you tell me what to do i'll listen to the part that i need to and, and run the right routes yeah the steve spurrier playbook did not have a lot of long now and, and you know this yeah i haven't played there too like i watching the games even when he's at south carolina with the apollos he didn't care about anybody stealing his signs, right? The nah. signs were the same from when we were there. Well, there, there is finished. something to being, you know, seeing the matrix. And there's not many coaches that, that can do that. Yeah. They can, you know, from the field, see everything. Yeah. And that, that's, you can steal all the signs you want. It, yeah. it doesn't really matter. I don't know that I've ever been around or seen a coach that had a better feel for what a defense was doing than Coach Spurrier. Yeah. You remember, we, we, we'd be doing seven on seven out there. Most of every coach has that thing scripted out. He's got an empty play sheet with, you know, just what the coverages were and just ripping them off the top of his head. It's a unique skill set and one that was really cool to kind of watch. Well, and that's the most interesting thing. When you look at these these coaches today, you guys just talked to Eli Drinkwitz mm -hmm. for your Series XM show, and he's a guy who gave up play calling. And it worked for yeah. him, but some coach like Hugh Freeze is taking it back yeah. now because it, it he's probably like watching Auburn last year didn't feel like I was watching a Hugh Freeze yeah. team. I suspect it'll feel that way again this I year. I couldn't imagine you know working your way up the ranks of coaching by primarily calling plays and then getting to the pinnacle and giving that to somebody else, like trusting your fate in somebody else's hands. And, and maybe it has to do more with finding the right person. Obviously, the Philip Montgomery Hugh Freeze pairing wasn't that, and it's not that, that it's not his offense yeah. either. And I, like he said, he said in the middle of this, or after the season, he said, you know, there were times I wanted to jump in, but I wasn't as familiar with the verbiage as I should have been and, yeah. and didn't didn't want to confuse anybody. Yeah. And that's a it's crazy to think about that when, when you're you the head coach, you're like, you I want to I do this, but I can't even say it. Yeah, it, it, but it, it is such a balance, though, with how, you know, the the demands of being a, a coach in college football these days, particularly in the SEC. So I, I don't know how these guys do it, but it's 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 a job that I don't think as many people want these days because of the NIL stuff and having to deal with the transfer portal. I just, it doesn't I'll take the money. I take the I'll money. I'll take the getting fired for it too. That's a, and not, nothing wrong with a little mailbox money. <laughs> exactly. No, but you're right. It is, it is a much different job. And I, I find that the, your Eli Drinkwitz is your Kirby smarts. Uh, the younger guys yeah. complain less about it and are just like, look, They've adapted, right? This is well, I got to work for 20, 25 more years. So I got to figure out how to do this. If you're closer to the end, yeah. I don't know that you, they may hasten in. You know, Nick Saban says it's not that. Nick Saban said it had to be a just, little bit of that, right? Well, it had, uh, you talk about not having energy. It's, I'm sure that takes yeah, some Yeah, when energy. you drain your energy on yeah. everything else outside of football. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I think that, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of different coaches in different college sports, say it's not about building a program, it's about building one season i thought lane Kiffin yeah. did a great job of that last year where they have like 40 something new players yeah. and to have everybody kind of come together and do what they did win 11 games for the first time in that school's history it was crazy it's, it's funny because i think the best coaches have done that all along and and you kind of have to because teams change personalities over seasons yeah. and and now it's it's even more highlighted like even in football like basketball they've been doing it for a while yeah but the football coaches definitely have to do it. but i go back to like think about when tennessee won the national title in 1998 mm -hmm. That team wasn't supposed. That wasn't the one that was supposed yeah, to. Supposed the '99 one or after. Yeah. yeah. The, well, the, the before the, and after. Peyton, right. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't Peyton's last team, and it wasn't two years into T. Mark. So that's the question. Like, and that that '99 team had a completely different personality than that '98 team. Yeah. The '98 team was built to win a national title, super selfless. That '99 team 
a lot of guys looking at their their it NFL happens future. right yeah. but even more so now with all right what can i get from myself in terms of nil opportunity yeah. in terms of, of shopping myself around well, it's, it's, like, it's like what happened with michigan where everybody's saying they're cheaters gave them a common cause yeah, to rally exactly. around mm -hmm. and you know th those guys were probably kind of the right ingredients you'd want anyway yeah. you know guys who weren't necessarily superstars from the beginning but kind of built their way into it but yeah I, I they had that nice comment like everybody hates us yeah so i wasn't you know i didn't pay as much attention obviously with michigan being in the big 10 but like i, I didn't think a ton of them i thought they'd get exposed when they stepped out of the big 10 but watching them when we were all out so there in Pasadena, good. man, yeah. it, it was really fun to watch. One, at Media Day, how tight they were, and they talked about that chemistry. Yeah. But two, they looked like the legit kind of offensive and defensive lines you need to win oh, yeah. a championship. Yeah, they were they were built from the inside out. Yeah. And that's why I like the Sharon Moore promotion, because he was such an instrumental part yeah. in building them from the inside out. Yeah, like think, when they moved into offensive line coaches, when stuff changed. And you already get a you, yeah. you get the opportunity to have that audition, what, four games you got a chance to coach this year oh, there when yeah. Jim Harbaugh was out. So I think it's a perfect transition. So we've been talking uh, on the show in the last few weeks about what we're excited about with the new version of college football. Yeah. Because it's it's going to be completely different this season. So let's uh, you're on the SEC network, so let's stick with the SEC. Yeah. Which team are you most excited to see the 2024 version of? Oh, one, I'm fascinated to watch Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, yeah. that's going to be a unique opportunity with them coming to the league. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see the two teams that won 11 games, Ole Miss and Missouri. Can they do that again? Yeah. I think both of them are actually built to, to have a lot of success. But going back to what you talked about as related to that Tennessee team, how, how do you handle success? Sometimes how you handle success is more yeah. telling than what it is with 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 challenges well, and defeat. And Ole Miss actually seems to, with the portal, have improved the talent on yeah. the roster because they were already bringing a lot back. Yeah. You know, Missouri, they've got some more key spots to fill. Like, where you know, Chris Abrams' drain is out here. Mm -hmm. and, and uh, Talk to Blake really Baker, though. Players. He actually yeah. said, look, they're, they're set up pretty well, and the schedule is, yeah. is fairly forgiving for them as well. Yeah, Blake Baker, who is now LSU's LSU. defensive coordinator. Yeah, funny listening to Drink talk about uh, Blake, and, and obviously it's a big loss for them, but joking around, like, I hope he freezes out here today. I hope, <laughs> I hope the sun gets in his eyes and he can't see. But it's a it was a great phenomenon to watch how good that defense became after being historically yeah. bad, what, three years ago? Well, and Blake's one of, Blake's such an interesting case because he was the DC at Miami. He gets let go. He's, you know, reemerges as a position coach at LSU, gets caught in the wash of that staff getting yeah. fired. And so he finally got a chance to show what he could do. And now he's the, the highest paid DC you know in college this, football. man. So much of being a successful player or coach is the, being at the right place at the right time with yeah. somebody that wants you to do well. So it's been nice to watch him have that success. And I'm glad we kept him in the SEC, albeit you know back in Baton Rouge. Well, LSU is an interesting one to me because the defense can't help but get better. Well, they only have three scholarship yeah. defensive linemen right now. That's crazy. You know, think about LSU. It's almost like at our alma mater. Florida always had great defensive linemen, and for yeah. them not to have, for LSU not to have that right now. Well, and they hard. didn't have great DBs for the last two years. Which that, is that's what the you're strangest known thing for. Yeah. As well, so that that's the thing. They've got to get that better, and then you don't have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and the two aliens at receiver. I do think getting Corey Raymond back to, to LSU is going to be a big part of helping yeah. to rebuild DBU yeah. there. But uh, it was weird seeing them cherry pick players that I don't think were SEC caliber secondary players. It does help when you have two offensive tackles that you're really confident. Like, yeah. like Lance Hurd may wind up starting at Tennessee because he just couldn't. Yeah. I mean, there, there was no place to start him at yeah. LSU. But, but remember, so. just uh, what two years ago, we were looking at you know them starting two true freshmen yeah. out there and how yeah. well they they kind of grew in a quick period of time yeah i i just i'm so fascinated by all this because the schedules are different yeah like, well let's, are you sad I'm, I'm a little sad about the 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 elimination of the, the divisions East? yeah i mean it just i would i would be i would probably be sadder if like if i'd followed an sec west team the entire time yeah. because i feel like the sec west was such a meat grinder and so good for the last you know 15 years it wasn't that way when we were at florida though no, it was the, the other East, way around the, 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 the florida the tennessee game was yeah. the de facto championship yeah. game and the thing is like tennessee falling off for a while georgia not being as good as it could have been for a while and then florida having its ups and downs yeah. it, it just the east didn't have the same cachet no and and then you know kentucky got better under stoops but vandy was vandy south carolina was up and down so it's that it never really was that so i'm I'm excited because it sh it freshens up the schedule. So yeah. if you're a Georgia fan, if you're a South Carolina fan, you're not seeing the same schedule every year. Yeah, I'm interested. You know, I think the pendulum that you talk about scheduling for a while there, it felt like it was inevitably going to go to nine conference games. Yeah. 
And then as much of a grind as it's been in projecting what well, the yeah, schedule is like, at schedule. Holy I, I don't crap, know if they're going to go forward with that. Now. I, I don't know. I think that that still probably depends on if TV's willing to kick in some more money. I'm sure they'll they'll find yeah. a way to do a ninth conference yeah. game. But if if nobody's going to make it worth your while. Why would you? Because yeah. I was always, you got to do nine. And I still am a, a you got to do nine because I don't think you can have Texas and Texas A&M in the same conference and not have them play mm -hmm. every year. Because the only way to do it with the, the schedule format they have now is Texas and Oklahoma are going to play every year. And then where does that leave yeah. Texas and A&M? Where does that leave Auburn, Georgia? Where does that leave Alabama, Tennessee? And I'm sorry, you made the schedules boring for all those years to protect Auburn, Georgia, and Alabama, Tennessee. Yeah. So you damn well better protect them now. I think that's one of the things that I think I'm most worried about with the, the landscape of college football changing yeah. so much. The SEC is built on history. It's built mm -hmm. on tradition. And so losing some of the we, – we lost Florida Auburn a number of years back, which was such a great that game. That was a rivalry both fan bases absolutely yeah. love. Yeah. And, and to not have that, like I think there's a way that you can create in this new environment with two new teams – a, a, a way to to go back and keep some of that tradition. Well, the Big the Ten just does a hey, if you want to play this team every year, we'll you know, within reason. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna schedule you against your traditional rivals every year, and and then we'll just rotate around. Makes it a little more complicated. Although I don't but, know if Florida wants to be drawing. No, right they don't now, want LSU and Auburn back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Find me. No, wait, you want to you want us to do Georgia LSU and Auburn? No, no, yeah. thank you. Let's let's talk about the Gators. Let's the, the Gators have. What looks like the hardest closing stretch of any schedule I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Uh, it, it, it has it to be, be the but... most difficult schedule in the history of college football, right? Right. Well, because the, the the thing about it is there would be years where you know you Florida State's always going to be at the end, but they wouldn't have a Miami or a UCF, much less both of them. Yeah. And I think that's like this is and and you know how UCF's going to feel about coming to this. Yeah. World. The Miami game is fascinating to me because that's one where both both sets of fans think well. They got to win this one. Otherwise, if they can't beat these guys, uh-oh. Both teams have a losing record. Both yeah. those coaches have a losing record currently at their yes. respective schools. And, like, you're right. You lose that game, you're immediately on the hot seat. Yes. Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether it's Billy Napier or Mario Cristobal. Yeah. It's the same situation for either one. Yeah. And that's that's the part. Like, when, when both sets of fans think, well, if we can't beat these guys, we're screwed. Yeah. Like, that is a strange situation. It, and then you've got UCF and then Texas – like Texas A&M comes to Florida early, you don't know what Mike Elko is going to bring at A&M. Yeah. I suspect that they're going to be better. Oh, I think they'll be better for sure. And, and then, you know, that everybody's looking forward to the trip to Austin, but I don't imagine like playing the Longhorns no. is something that's all that exciting for the for the fan base. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, a successful season to me, I think if you can just get bowl eligible next year, you're probably feeling pretty good about now, yourself. Now here's the question, because is that good enough if you're Billy Napier, well, I think a lot of it has to, to do the with the investigation going on yeah. too. I mean, you know, what would we find out from the NCAA about the future? I think it's going to have a lot to say about the future of Billy Napier. Like I, it, they're doing a great job recruiting. I know that the, the class slid a little bit from where they were projected, but I still think they, they did a nice job of, of creating some excitement around particularly lagway the way he's kind of been oh, yeah. the, the, the head and, of the class. And LJ McCray may be able to yeah. come in and play. right. But it, it's interesting because I, I, I've talked about this with a lot of people about Billy Napier, you know, he, if he had gotten hired at Florida five years earlier, it may have been the perfect situation because he was building through the high school yeah. recruiting ranks, you know, getting getting guys on who are difference makers mm -hmm. out of high school. But now you have to be so fast and so nimble in the portal or they'll just, you know, everybody else just passes. Yeah. You. And, and I think Ole Miss is a great example of that. Missouri is a great example of that where they're very smart. And Florida State's another good example. Yeah. Like they, they go find what they need. It gets them better. And and the thing about Florida State that, that I don't know that people realize is they had their deepest high school recruiting class in eight years yeah. this year. So that has allowed them to get better that well, way. I think if you're Florida, you look at, at Florida State, they wanted to get Norvell out of there. Oh, and yeah. They didn't have the ability financially to do it, so they were kind of stuck with him, yep. and it turned out to pay dividends. So I hope that there's a level of patience. Um, I know that's not a thing in, in college football fan no. bases these days. But it, the question you have to ask to me, if you're going to make a change, who am I going to go get that's better than the guy I have right now? Right. And, and I don't there's know if not that guy's a lot of obvious choices yeah. out there because, I, I, you know, Jed Fish is a Florida grad. But I, I think by choosing to take Washington now is a statement. It's a statement about, one, the future, but two, also, you know, it's it's a it's going to be a grind for them going into the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's a chance that that could, you know, put a little bit of the luster off the star to some degree, too. Well, and, and that'll be an interesting one. But but that job, you know, if you feel like you can finish top three or top four in the Big Ten every year, yeah. 
it's a really good job yeah because that's a, that means you're going to get in the playoff quite yeah. a bit yeah so. anxious to see what happens out there with the those teams from the pac-12 well, merging. It, it's so crazy like what what the what the success is now like because i i keep thinking we, we talked about tennessee on the show and like if tennessee could improve by two wins they're a playoff yeah game. like that's the thing is like it's going to be so much easier to get in the college football playoffs than it will be to get into the sec championship game yes which is wild yeah agreed because because three are getting in every year and then and then maybe before. yeah before i let you go i asked you the question that we're asking everybody today this is so this is the theme of today's show okay. we're having an open forum town hall we are replacing the term power five okay because it's obviously not accurate anymore okay. do we just go power four like that doesn't feel right no. to me because i don't think the big 10 and the sec are the same as the acc no. and the and the big 12. no what are you so, thinking you got suggestions for me is one this like multiple choice well, one suggestion that i really like is core four Core four is good because that means okay everybody's got essentially your champion makes the playoff but we acknowledge there's some differences like the big 10 and the sec are probably going to be able to get more in yeah than the acc and the big 12. core four is good because you got the rhyme aspect you I either got to go with rhyme or alliteration is there an f word that we can use that would be well, there's some f words we can use but <laughs> that would be appropriate the fabulous four <laughs> fab four the fab four i think that's taken i think yeah. somebody's already got yeah. that but but no that's uh, that is probably the I think core four feels like the the best one but you have the you have the power to push this out but there, I don't so. that's why I need enough people to agree with me because I was thinking about who agree everybody all the the listeners viewers readers think that we meet about this stuff mm -hmm. and we don't like we didn't meet to come up with power five and group of five yeah, who, who coined that it just sort of happened organically when they were creating the tw the, the four-team playoff yeah. and remember it used to be BCS conferences mm -hmm. And then the Big East drops out, and yeah. so you got to call it Power Five. Yeah. So, yeah, we we don't actually have the meeting. So I was like, well, why don't I host one of those meetings? <laughs> Do we, we've never actually had one, so let's actually have one. Is so. that in person or is that Zoom? Well, it's everybody who wants to come in. It, it, it'll be uh, your your segment is actually airing after this. Uh, okay. This, this discussion. Okay. So that's why I revealed Core Four to you okay. because right. it will already this hasn't been, been revealed okay. on the show. All right. But good. yes. Uh, I just think it's one of those things we should agree on because I don't see a consensus like power five, the consensus formed immediately. Yeah. I haven't heard a consensus either on that. I haven't even heard that really be discussed. We keep yet. saying power five because we don't know any better. That's true. I, I catch myself all the time. I'm going to like, I'm going to get my producer to get the, um, the family feud buzzer. The yeah. Somebody says to it. play it every time I say it. Yeah. yeah. I got to train myself out of it. Yeah, that's a good, you know, I, we do that sometimes with like, uh crutch words like you, you write yep. the word up there so you don't use it because you have a go-to word so you need to have to make yourself aware fascinating is my crutch word <laughs> is it it's a fascinating crutch word <laughs> chris doring thank Good you to so be with much you, bro. appreciate it you do have to watch those crutch words and also just words in general uh let's play a little audio from from caleb downs the the former alabama safety who transferred to Ohio State, and he had his first media availability at Ohio State on Tuesday. Uh, Spencer Holbrook of Letterman Row passed along this audio. Uh, this one got transcribed in a story, and oh boy, did the Alabama fans seize upon this particular choice of words. Here's Caleb Downs. What is it that stands out right now as you look back on it about Nick Saban? What, what, what made him special? <clears throat> Very disciplined person. He was committed every single day to being his best self. And not many people can actually say that and be truthful with that. He was the same person every single day, and he taught me a lot about commitment, about being disciplined, consistency, everything that goes with that, and being great. I feel like that's what he embodies. It was the word commitment that bothered the folks because Saban left and then Caleb Downs left. Uh, now, I, I will. I will quibble here somewhat, though I, I would say Caleb Downs probably should not have used that particular word when saying what he learned from Nick Saban as he sits at Ohio State three weeks after leaving Alabama. But Nick Saban did have a contract that didn't end after this past season. So a little surprise there from, uh, for, from Saban for Caleb Downs, I imagine. But yeah. Don't use that particular word in that particular scenario because, yeah, they're, they're going to jump all over you for it. And it's 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 a learning experience. It's a lesson for the young man when when 
stuff like when, when you change schools like that, that's probably not a word you're going to use in an interview for a little while. It's okay because the new fan base is going to love you. The old fan base will probably get over it eventually, and then you can start using it again. But right now, maybe just not yet. I will work on my crutch words. We will put out the poll and figure out power what? Not power. I'm not going to say it. Power Cinco. We're not going to say that anymore. But will it be chosen for? Core four? Power four? The big four? We will come to determination. I think by the end of the week, we should have a determination on this and we will know what to call this thing going forward. I think I like core four the best. I think. But I need some time to think about it. Tomorrow night is a Dear Andy show. You know how to reach me on Twitter, Andy underscore Staples, on Instagram, Andy underscore Staples. You can email your question to Andy Staples on three at gmail.com. You want to turn the camera on yourself, shoot a video, send it to me. That'd be great. We love your questions. We love when you help guide the show. You have the best ideas. So I cannot wait to see your questions. Andy underscore Staples on Twitter and Instagram. Andy Staples on three at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you tomorrow night. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.